We are ready to go for it as Season 4, Episode 25 of JV to the Pros is about to get underway. Let's do it! Okay, so, as the summer starts, so does this show. We are, as I said, Season 4, Episode 25 of JV to Pros, and once again, I will make sure I enlighten you as well as entertain you over the next 45 minutes or an hour. Now, <clears throat> first thing I got to talk about is our horrible epidemic of violence, which continued this week as yet another mass shooting occurred in Chicago at a 4th of July parade. I will have plenty of details once the show gets started. I can tell you I'm really not just angry with this scumbag Bobby Cremo III or Bobby Creepo III as he has been on the radar of the local police in Chicago for a few years now. And yet, he was able to set up a tripod and brace his automatic weapon on it and shoot at helpless, innocent people trying to simply enjoy a 4th of July, 4th of July parade. Oh, what a creep. Garbage jerk. <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you about how many shootings take place in America on a daily basis. I think most of you will be more than surprised at the pace per day because I was. I'd like to talk to you about the good things that are associated with the 4th of July. The family get-togethers with extended friends that have become family. Uh, the feeling of good food shared with appreciation of that no worries feeling. The sh sunshine and bright skies are, are a bonus. And that sound of the kids laughing makes for a complete all-American picture that we all share on that one day a year. A holiday that is the biggest holiday of the year behind Christmas. That day when America is all in agreement that it's time to smile and be grateful for what we've worked so very hard for since the last time that we got together on the 4th of July last year. And it goes on and on every year. It's a very special holiday to Americans. <clears throat> Last week, I spoiled some of the misnomers of history in regard to the 4th of July and the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I got several compliments about last week's show and some that thought it's better to believe in Santa Claus than to pull back the curtain. And I get that thinking. I feel as though... I enlightened many people that bought everything we were taught in grade school. Frankly, I, I don't like being jerked around by the curriculum meant to, to be more than uh, just a self-promotional type of thing than the actual history lesson, you know. And we'll look at the positives of the 4th of July. I'd like to acknowledge the birthday of one of the greatest movie stars Hollywood ever produced. To me, the greatest star and the greatest celebrity in the history of entertainment. Those of you that know me know who I'm talking about. I will take great pleasure in sharing with you the greatness of this role model for me in my life and my acting career. I don't know if you'll be able to figure out who it is, but 
you probably would be able to guess. I'm also going to acknowledge the birthday of a superstar that I worked with on one of the biggest hit films in the past 20 years. We're about one year apart in age, but about a billion dollars apart in net worth. But I would work with him any time as I found him to be professional, and very pleasant as far as being on a personal level. Just a, a cool guy, and by the way, much taller than most people think he is. We have to not only share, but acknowledge the passing of two icons in the last month. Um, Jim Seals, who was one half of the successful singing duo of Seals and Croft, <clears throat> died in his Nashville home of an undisclosed but ongoing illness. Jim Seals was 80 years old, and uh, his iconic duo partner was with Daryl Dash, Crofts, and they had a string of hit songs like <clears throat> Summer Breeze. Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Blowing through the desert in my mind. Now, <clears throat> um, they also had um, a big hit with Diamond Girl. Perhaps you remember this one. They also had a big hit with um, We May Never Pass This Way Again. And um, let's see, they had uh, Castles in the Sand, Hummingbird, and Get Closer to Me, If I Can Get Closer to You. Here's that one. like Seals and Crofts just fine. I mean, their songs were in a regular rotation on the AM radio back in the 70s. That's right. There was no FM until the late 70s. So the um, 70s was mostly monopolized by AM radio. And yeah, Seals and Crofts was, you know, part of the, you know, playlist that went on and on and they got you know hundreds of thousands of plays every month now i like seals and crofts just fine i mean i i didn't find them to be one of those groups that knocked my socks off seals and crofts didn't have any controversy or arrests i mean they just made soft 
easy listening music. I thought most of their songs sounded very much the same. They sounded like the same song, different words. So, I mean, you just heard a few of their biggest hits. And yeah, it was, it was kind of um, yacht rock type music where you could just go out on the on the you know on the water and listen to a little seals and crofts and it was okay so we do acknowledge the passing of jim seals at the age of 80 and we do appreciate all that they did for the music industry over a 50 plus year span uh, i know seals and crofts had a very strong following they made they made the kind of music that put your heart at ease and just let your mind wander into the wind so Rest in peace, Jim Seals. Now, the next celebrity passing is someone I actually got to meet and got to watch a Jets game with from the sidelines. I'm talking about the passing of former NFL star and NFL commentator and NFL character, Tony Siragusa. Now, at 6'4 and 340 pounds, yeah, he was, he was a mountain of a man that played most notably for the Ravens. But when I first met Tony before the game, Tony talked to me about the Jets and made a couple of standby jokes about the Jets' struggles over the decades. And we took a picture and we had a great time. And he did make the joke that um, now that you got that picture, don't ask for anything else for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, Tony was just a character. And we're going to post some pictures of... Um, Myself and my cousin Anthony on um, on our Facebook page with Tony before that game. Um, I want to talk about the. Um, I also want to talk to you today about the failing image of Joe Biden, while at the same time the images of Ron DeSantis of Florida and of all people, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, appear to be rising to the top of the nominees shortlist of probables who will be running for president as frontrunners in 2024. Also, there's a joker in the deck that will shake up this 2024 election to the point where this candidate not only will be pulling votes from the other two candidates, but it looks like he might be able to win the whole thing while the other two battle things out through schmear campaigns from coast to coast. I think not only will most people be shocked that this person has decided to run, but they'll, they'll even be more shocked that he's perfectly serious about it this time, even though he backed out of a campaign in which he was almost elected as governor. Yeah. He almost was elected as governor of the state of New York. Some of, you, some of you will know who I'm talking about, but the rest of you might sit back and think about it and take him really seriously. And that person is shock jock Howard Stern, who has thrown his hat into the presidential ring and has decided he will be running for president in 2024. And with his smarts, and he's a very, very smart guy, and with his savvy, he plans to win this thing. And get this, I just found out who his running mate 
will be. His running mate for vice president will be Bradley Cooper. So it's going to be a stern Cooper ticket running as independents against whoever the Democrats and whoever the Republicans put out there. So yeah, we may be looking at President Stern. I have to go over with you about how Major League Baseball is getting ready for the All-Star break and which teams appear to be sellers and which teams appear to be buyers. Now, I'll explain what that means. It means that if some teams think that the season is a bust and they don't have a chance to win or get into the playoffs and possibly make some noise, they become what's called sellers and they start piecing off talent and they usually are selling to teams that are going to make the playoffs and are going to make a run and make some noise in the playoffs. So in a little while, I'm going to have a former major league center fielder and he played for the team that has the best record in all of baseball. And he's going to be a guest on the show as we will go through the divisions together and we'll see what he thinks of the condition of baseball and what he thinks of my prediction of the Yankees winning 40 of their first 55 games this year with one of the greatest winning percentages in baseball history. I also want to point out that the Yankees finally played a major league baseball team that in the 100 plus year history of the New York Yankees, the Yankees finally played a major league baseball team that they've never ever played against before. I'll talk about that when we get our guest on the show and um, the Yankees, I can tell you this, they started out with a doubleheader, and they made that doubleheader very memorable for the newbies to the league. Now, let's start with the mass shooting on July 4th at the parade in Highland Park, Illinois, as Bobby Cremo III managed to climb atop an office building along the route of the parade by using an outside escape ladder on the side of that building that was left un unsecured so basically he went up the ladder of a basically a fire escape type of thing and he calmly climbed up the side of the building set up his tripod on the roof and then attached his ar-15 to the stand and waited for the parade to get underway as the cheering and applause got going and he began to shoot randomly into the crowd killing seven and injuring many others as they ran for their lives Bobby Cremo III dressed up as a woman because he doesn't have a real man's body. He has the body of a cowardly wimp. And he moved about the crowd without being spotted by police because the police knew of this guy. They knew he was trouble. They kept their eye on this guy. They knew he would be a problem. Well, he didn't get the attention of the police because he's a small-framed, small-minded, small person. And he got up on the roof, and this attack that Bobby Creepo III planned, he planned it for several weeks before executing it. 
Creepo used his mother's car to get to and barely from the attack. Creepo has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder, but he will be held without bail as dozens of other charges will be added to his list of we're going to put you in a cage and watch you get your ass kicked for the rest of your life charges. Yeah, Bobby Creepo looks like a creepo. <sighs> Enough of that story as it, it disgusts me. I want to move on to another shooting. And this one was by the police in which a black man was shot more than 60 times and killed. Now, before I get into that story, I'd like to say I wish the police were still shooting this guy. Jalen Walker was involved in a normal, average traffic stop in which his vehicle ID tags didn't look current and his equipment appeared to be faulty. So the police officer pulled him up in a normal traffic stop. Walker decided to flee the traffic stop and force police, and he forced police into a high-speed chase through Ohio. The male in question is a black male who was driving with a ski mask and a gun in the vehicle with him. Now, there is evidence that he shot at police during the chase and then fled the vehicle when it came to a stop. And when he fled the vehicle, he was wearing a ski mask as the police officers began a foot chase while trying to stop him by using tasers. This male was running so fast that the tasers never touched him. And this black male reached for his waistband, according to the police reports and body cam footage, and that's when the officers began shooting. Now, he's already shot at the police, so they know he has a gun. And then he reaches for his waistband, and yeah, yeah, of course they began shooting. They're not going to wait to get shot to begin shooting. I think they began shooting rightfully. What bothers me is that the black community gathered quickly and they gathered themselves together for yet another protest trying to make this look like they shot an unarmed black male. I'm not saying that this hasn't happened for most of the past hundred years where, they, where the officers shot an unarmed black male because frankly... It's absolutely been happening in towns from coast to coast. Big cities, small hick towns have abused their position and power since as far back as the Industrial Revolution and even before that. You know, my former partner on this show told me stories of how he struggles on a daily basis overcoming simply being black when it comes to dealing with law enforcement. Now, that said... I don't think the black community should be gathering for protests when the black male may not have gotten what he deserved, but he certainly got what he asked for in, way, in the way of, of his behavior. If, if you're stopped by police for legitimate reasons and you decide to turn that simple traffic stop into a high-speed chase through the streets of Ohio, and then you jump out the passenger side of all ways to exit a vehicle, which is going to look suspicious after a high-speed chase, and then you get out of the vehicle wearing a ski mask, and you don't expect that this will go badly? Of course it will. Of course it will. 
This isn't a black thing at all. This is a behavior thing. And Jalen Walker behaved in a way that will get you killed. And in this situation, it got him killed. I think these protests are complete BS in this situation. I think the Ohio police acted properly. And Jalen Walker, if he didn't get killed, that would be the long shot based on his behavior. Everything he did from fleeing from the traffic stop to shooting at police officers to jumping out of the passenger side of the vehicle wearing a ski mask and then reaching for his waistband after, after already shooting at police from the car during the chase, it's all just not acceptable behavior. I'm a, I'm a white male. And if I did those things after a simple traffic stop, I should expect to end up dead for my own actions. No protests, no demands of apologies from the police, no greasy lawyer representing my family after I got myself shot from my own bad behavior. When does the black community accept responsibility for bad behavior and why do protests result after a black male behaves in a way that the police are left with no choice but to respond and react. Why is the game to push a calm, simple situation to the point where someone ends up dead after the police have run out of options to defuse the situation? On this one, I stand with the Ohio police who did all they could to get the situation under control and Jalen Walker did all he could to get himself shot to death. Frankly, I think Jalen Walker got Jalen Walker shot to death. I mean, you're welcome to email or post thoughts on this situation on our, on our Facebook page. But, you know, he absolutely baited this situation until he got the outcome that happened to Jalen Walker in which he ended up, and he ended up shot to death. I just think it's an ugly situation all the way around. Now, I want to talk about that semi-truck in the El Centro area of California in which a truck driver was transporting 53 illegals in the back of his truck when he abandoned them in the desert heat and left them in there to die, and many of them did. Well, I found out that this truck was what they call a clone truck. All the legal markings of a legit truck, but a complete fake just to get over the international border and into America. The markings they used were that of a truck in good standing with the authorities at the, at the border, but this was a replica truck so as not to be questioned while crossing over into California. Apparently, there are nearly 4 million legal semi-trucks in America and about 700 clone trucks traveling our highways from coast to coast and the authorities have no way of identifying these clone trucks before it's too late oh yet something else the police need to battle while battling everything else on their plates the truck driver and two other men were arrested in connection with the deaths of these illegal migrants trying to get into america to earn a living they all face up to life in prison if convicted. Oh, boy. 
Now, let's just kind of step away from everything for a bit, and I'm going to move on to something that makes you feel good and something that and that, that actually makes your sore muscles and your sore joints feel good, and that's Rob Van Dam's CBD oil. If you go to RV, rvdcbd.com, Rob Van Dam CBD, rvdcbd.com, and give it, give a try to Rob Van Dam CBD oil. Put JV to the pros in the promo box and get at least 10% off your purchase. Rob Van Dam CBD oil relieves muscle pain and soreness, and I'm telling you this from personal experience. As I use it, and many of my friends use it, and we all love it, and you will too. Go to rvdcbd.com and put JV to the pros in the promo box and let soreness and joint pain leave your body. You'll thank me. And by the way, a small jar goes a very long way. I've had a I've had a small jar for more than two and a half years, and it's just fine. Now, let's move on to the birthday of one of the icons of Hollywood who has just reached the one billion dollar mark in his latest release of the sequel to the original Top Gun with the cleverly titled Top Gun 2 Maverick. Now I've told you that I was fortunate enough to work fortunate enough to work on this blockbuster film that hasn't gotten a bad review and has pulled in truckloads of money per screening. Tom Cruise turned 60 this past July 3rd and he looks about 38 which is actually something we have in common. We both look more than 20 years younger than we are. Well, happy birthday to Tom Cruise, star of Top Gun 2, in which Tom did his own fighter jet flying scenes as he actually learned how to fly a fighter jet and did so in order to shoot this film. Now, I got to work with Rick Rosovich, who played Slider in the original Top Gun. I also worked with um, Rick as his best man as he was getting ready to marry Julian Margulies from ER and steal her away from George Clooney. Rick and I actually got together again with Kenny Rogers on the set of The Gambler, Luck of the Draw, also starring Reba McIntyre. I played Gentleman Jim Corbett in the very first heavyweight gloves fight of 1906 an iconic character in boxing history, and I was honored to get the role. I'll post some some pictures of uh, Rick and I from the set of Top Gun 2, as well as pics from The Gambler and uh, some other stuff. I'll also post some pics with Tom Skerritt, who played Commander Viper Metcalf in the original Top Gun, and he actually worked on Top Gun 2, but I believe those scenes ended up edited. So... Now, Yes, you know who I'm talking about. This is, mo- this is absolutely my very favorite movie star, 
action star, movie icon, and the greatest actor in the history of Hollywood, in my opinion. And that is Sylvester Stallone, star of Rocky, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, Rocky Four, Rocky Five, Rocky Balboa, Creed, in which he played Rocky Balboa, and Creed Two, in which he played Rocky Balboa. Stallone also starred in other great films, such as Fist, uh, the Rambo films, in which he didn't play Rocky Balboa, Tango and Cash with co-star Kurt Russell. Stallone has produced some great TV shows, such as The Contender. Stallone has turned everything he's touched into Hollywood gold. Stallone is so talented that he's able to play a, a dim-witted boxer while writing the entire script and choreographing the, the fight scenes, all while pretending to be a simpleton. This man, this man is so remarkably talented and brilliant and appealing to hundreds of millions around the world that there's, there's just no way to calculate his impact on the entertainment industry. I love... I loved Stallone in, in the movie Lock Up, in which he starred with a good friend of mine, Larry Romano, whom I appeared in Out for Justice with Larry Romano and um, Steven Seagal's Out for Justice. And Larry Romano contributed to some of the creative scenes in Lock Up, and Stallone recognized Larry's ideas as brilliant and used them in the final, final cut of Lock Up. I enjoyed Over the Top, in which Rick Zumwalt, um, Zumwalt played Stallone's adversary. And I got to work with Rick a few years later on an Easter film in which we played Roman soldiers during the times of Jesus walking the earth. Uh, I can go on and on about the impact that Stallone has had on myself and on millions of fans from all corners of the earth. But to, to sum it up, I'd like to wish... Sylvester Stallone, a very happy 76th birthday. And I'm sure I speak for everyone that loves your work. We wish you 76 more. Ironically, Rocky came out in 1976, and Stallone just turned 76. Hmm, coincidence? I think not. Now let's move on to sports and our very... Special guest, former center fielder of the greatest franchise team in Major League Baseball history, the New York Yankees! Oh, yeah! <laughs> yes, our guest is a friend of the show and a friend of mine and somebody that we have enjoyed having on the show a couple of times already. And we're going to talk about how the New York Yankees are just crushing it this year. And I don't mean just through their home runs. I mean the Yankees killing it. I do apologize. We had a little bit of a technical issue, but I promised everybody we would have Billy Sample, former New York Yankees center fielder on, and he will be on the show. 
Hey, Jack. <laughs> hey, Billy, how are you? I, I pardon me. Uh, I'm not around the grandkids, so they can't teach me about technology. <laughs> yeah, let me let me let let me let the listeners know what happened. So I tried to call Billy, and I did the intro and everything. And you guys are gonna you guys would have heard about five or eight seconds of dead air because I don't know what went on with your cell. But I was like, okay, fine, we're calling him on his house phone. I know that's a no-no, but I had to get you on the show today because um, a couple of weeks, what, a month ago you were on the show? and we Yeah, we, and, you were, and you said something like the Yankees were going to be uh, 50 and 15 or something like that. And I thought, oh, my goodness, Jack is on some of that good stuff. <laughs> Actually, I lowered the bar. I said, I said they'll win 40 before they lose 16 and you thought that that's a lot to ask especially in the al oh. east oh yeah i thought you said more than that and well I, when when they got to 50 your phone blew up and that was me saying they won they won 50 they won 50 of like 65 or something it was crazy i mean have you been watching this and even coming down to earth there's still what 58 and 23 or something ridiculous so yeah i I've watched a lot of it, and yeah, you know it's funny you say that. Months. They are fifty-eight and twenty-three. You're right on the money. They have a seven-sixteen winning percentage, and a thirteen-game lead over the hated Boston Red Sox. And they've got the Red Sox this, this weekend, I think. Yeah, they yeah they they're going head to head. As a matter of fact, yeah. um, um, I belong to two. Yankee meetup groups, and I was gonna, I was gonna talk to you about that because uh, the Yankees are coming to Southern California at the end of August, and Karen and I should be back from our trip by then. And I thought, boy, if you're in Southern California, yeah, we we actually we block off an entire seating section at the Big A at the Anaheim Stadium. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, that that's us. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. We we actually and they they actually put us up on the Diamond Vision and thank us for coming and and yeah we we have a field day and it's more like a Yankees home game. But if you're going to be in Southern California, yeah, I mean absolutely, yeah, Jack, we'll get you a ticket. In Southern California for me, but trouble. And uh, I'd love getting in trouble, but now I'm just so old that it takes me so long to recoup that I don't even know if it's worth it to get in trouble. I'm, I'm in Southern California, and you, and you have an open invite here. So, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a mile from the ocean and a mile from the bay. I mean, you could come here and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean. You're in La Jolla. You're yeah, in La Jolla well, I'm right, I'm right by, I'm right next to La Jolla. I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in Mission Bay area but oh, yeah okay. so um right. but yeah you're more than welcome and i mean if you were coming out here i know you said your son lives in la right yes my oldest son yeah yeah He's so i i thought okay you know what and uh we can go to the big a uh, we're gonna take the train up it's not like we're driving uh, the whole we literally take over like i think it's six cars of an amtrak train and the train goes right into the parking lot at, at anaheim stadium and um, we get off the train, walk right across the parking lot. We're in the stadium, uh, but but we do tailgate ahead of time. Uh, is that their last trip? That's their last uh, trip. That's yeah. They're 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 going to do their sweep, and um, yeah. You know, we have a couple I told of people. My oldest son, I was going to come out there and and go to a game with them, but I, I don't know if I'll get out there in, in time for the Yankees. Well, we're going to be I'll at the game on the Monday, the 29th. And um, Karen and I should be back. We're going to be, uh, we're going to South Dakota 
on a road trip. Um, we've never been to Sturgis, so we're putting the motorcycle in the toy hauler and uh, taking the RV up to up to South Dakota, and, and I'm going to ride the motorcycle around R- Mount Rushmore and kind of... Oh. Check out. Yeah, we're gonna make a make a nice trip of it before I go back into into production on the TV show. So, um, I think I I texted. Did I, did I tell you? Um, I just I just did a a Disney um, a Disney. You told me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I should congratulate you about that. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, you played on the New York Yankees. Number one movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> you played on the New York Yankees. I mean, I, I should be congratulating you constantly. <laughs> uh, it's just another stadium. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. And the, now, look at this. The AL East was expected to be um, the Jays, the Rays, and the Yankees were supposed to be at the top of the heap there. But now the, the Tampa Bay De- Rays are 14 games back. The Blue Jays are 14 and a half games back. And it's not because they're playing bad ball. I mean, they're 44 and 37 and 44 and 38. I mean, they're not playing bad ball. Well, this year when you have the division winners and the next three with the best record in in the division or in the league uh, making the playoffs, you could actually have four teams from one division uh, advance. So let's say the Yankees... Right now, it looks like they're a shoe in for the uh, number one. But you could have those three teams that you mentioned uh, <laughs> all wild cards. And, well, uh, they would have to. They would have to do. How good you'd have to be to be <clears throat> because you would have because you're playing intradivisionally eighteen, nineteen times. So you're going to beat up each other. But in order for you to have three teams from one division be the wild card, how much dominant you have to be over the other two divisions to make that work? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, math wasn't a strong suit here, but yeah. no, no, your math is just fine. Actually, I mean, the, the you know the Yankees. I, I I pointed out that the Yankees, after a hundred plus years of being a franchise, the Yankees finally played a team they'd never played before, and that was uh, last week they played the Guardians. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good, good one. <laughs> but I got to tell you, you, you for a second, you, I'm going to do a Rolodex of teams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? You know what impressed me? I mean, you got this uh, this uh, Cleveland Guardians team, which is a 500 team. You know, they're 40 and 40, but um, they have a reliever on that team. And now, now, when you and I were in our prime, I mean, I was I was throwing 95, 96. And 199-mile-an-hour fastballs were pretty much unheard of. I mean, Nolan Ryan could do it, and there was a couple other people that can do it, but, you know, it was pretty much unheard of. But um, the Cleveland Guardians have a reliever that has a 99-mile-an-hour slider. Could you imagine? Sound like I'm skeptical? <laughs> well, I watched but, him. I watched him throw. I'm thinking those radar machines are just a little different. I think they've tried to pump. I, them you up know a what? Bit. I watched him throw this slider, and the thing looked like a cartoon. It looked like it really? made. It made. Oh, it was just devastating. His name is Class A, C L A S E, and um, and he throws like a hundred and one fastball. But he has a 99-mile-an-hour slider. I, you remember um, Steve Howe had a ridiculous 88-mile-an-hour slider, and people were wondering how he was able to do it. Well, you know, we found out, you know, 
Steve, you know, Steve had, had had been suspended several times for cocaine use, but he was throwing an 88 mile an hour slider, which people thought was just off the charts. Yeah, that is. And now you got this guy Class A, and I'm watching this thing, and when it bites, it's almost like like somebody's doing like like computer generated graphics. Like it, it looks like you didn't just see that. And I watched that thing come in and. The catcher has to have his glove on the other side because that thing's going to bite and hook. <laughs> well, the slider, I don't know what the slider was for you, but the slider uh, just brought me to salvation because I, or whatever the opposite that is, because I, I had a whole lot of trouble with it. And I imagine the slider was tough on a lot of people. But I, I used to hold my bat high up in the air when I was going through high school in American Legion ball. And then when I saw the good slider for the first time, I had just to um, reconstitute my whole swing and, and my whole ideology because I wasn't strong enough to hold the bat up that high and to start my swing and to stop it, where, which a lot of people have to do. Uh, when you see somebody check their swing or, or stop their swing or attempt to stop their swing, it's it's on the slider. You, you see fastball, and all of a sudden you, you recognize all too late that it's it's not a fastball, it's a, sli- a slider, yeah. and I had trouble. It's a very deceptive pitch, and um, I, I, I think I told you this a long time. I think when you, you and I were in New York together, I told you that um, – um, you know Neil Berg, the Broadway producer. Um, he he actually introduced me and Karen, you know, in um, uh, in Manhattan. But you know Neil's Nyack's favorite son, and um, right. and Neil and I played against each other at the World Championships in Phoenix. And I threw Neil, and Neil's a good hitter. I mean, his company, his Broadway company is called Left Field Productions. <laughs> Neil, Neil can hit. And um, I threw him a fastball, and Neil looked like he was going to tee off on it. And he hit a home run foul backwards, straight back. But he, he hit the ball far enough backwards that it would have been a home run had it gone forward. And, yeah, the, the, yeah exactly. <laughs> so the, 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 the geometry of it is that, in order for that ball to go forward that distance, it's almost immeasurable on the bat. And my first thought was, he's not getting another fastball. He just hit that fastball backwards like 380 feet. I couldn't believe it. And um, when Neil told the story at our wedding, he said, Jack threw me this fastball, and I just dug in, and I just got slightly under it, and the thing went about a mile right behind me. And I thought, boy, he throws me another one of those. I'm making the adjustment. And Neil said, Jack threw me three sliders in a row next. And I, and I just sat down. <laughs> and, and he jokes about it, but he said that, that slider, it looks like it's coming in one way. And then all of a sudden, the thing makes a left. And, um, and it'll throw a batter. It'll buckle their knees. And I'm still playing, you know, adult you know, basically senior ball at, at 60. I'm playing in a 45 and over league. And, and I play for the Yankees. And um, as a matter of fact, I'm, uh, I'm starting Sunday, the 10th. Uh, I'm, I'm on the mound Sunday against the Cardinals. And that's our, su- that's our summer you, league. How often do you pitch, Jack? Every week. Every, every single week. Every, every weekend? or do you, do you Every week, every weekend. I train all week. I stop training on Thursday 
I give it a couple of days, and then Sunday morning, I do my stretches, and I do my yoga, and, and then I get out there, and I just warm up, and I'm good to go. My arm is fine. You know, I mean, my legs are strong. I do a lot of, you know, cycling, bike, you know, bike riding. Oh, and, right. um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I just, um, I was thinking about um, playing uh, some senior hockey at the um, hockey rink here. They got a senior, Karen, Karen drew the line. <laughs> she said, you're not, you're absolutely not playing hockey. <laughs> you can't play baseball and play hockey. And then on Thanksgiving, you play the, the turkey bowl, you play football. You can't, you just, you're not 30 anymore. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> in your hockey league, do you, do you check? Oh yeah, it's, it's regular. It's it's full on. It's full on hockey. It's full on hockey. These guys, these guys, you know, they've come from like Saskatchewan and stuff. They they moved oh, here. They they okay. they play hockey. Yeah, they play real hockey. Yeah, they're coming down from Moose Jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they're wondering why it's so warm outside. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I I am I am being completely serious when I ask you if you would consider coming out end of August, make it a trip to visit your son, and you know we'll go up to L.A. We'll we'll have a good time. I mean I've got a I've got spare cars. I can loan you a car, and you could just go and you know. <laughs> no, if I get out there, I'll be okay. I, I, yeah, I think you'll be fine. I, I know I have to. I know I have to see him. So uh, and we've been planning a trip. I just have to. Coordinated, but uh, do we do I'll, we I'll put a ticket aside for August twenty ninth? Uh, I'll. You let me know. Uh, well, yes. Okay. Okay. Because yep. I'll tell you, this group, this group would pretty much carry you on a chariot if they know that you played for the <laughs> Yankees. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know how many uh, Billy Martin stories I have in me, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I I don't think I ever shared this with you. Did you know that I was I was with Billy Martin on that Christmas day? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. What? My my aunt. My 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 aunt. New York near Pennsylvania. Well, yeah. My they, on the ninety five. My my aunt was um, in a hospital in Buffalo, and I was the only member of my family that could. I mean, it was a terrible snowstorm at, at that time and um right. i was the only member of my family that could drive long distance and i literally was shuttling people from um from new york to buffalo to go visit her and i was doing it like two or three people at a time with me and i i did like um i think i did nine trips in nine days back and forth to buffalo but on christmas i was trying to get back from buffalo and we're riding, and I saw somebody, and they just seemed to be having a great time. And I, and I said, I said to my my cousin Vinny, <laughs> I said to my cousin Vinny, I said, I said Vinny, I said, th I think that's Billy Martin, and he was next to us. And the other guy, they were just they were just having a great time. I mean, they, I mean, they might have been singing a hundred bottles of beer on the wall. I don't know, but they were having a great time. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's like Christmas, Billy Martin. And then we kind of got away from them on the road because I was trying to get home for Christmas. And by the time I got home, it was all over the news on the TV that Billy Martin oh had goodness. they had an accident sometime after we saw them. Oh my. Wow, it was it was such a weird real. feeling, and and then um, I think they were trying to say um, I think they were trying to say one or the other was was driving, 
And I thought, boy, you know, I, I would hate to come forward with the truth because I knew who was driving. And they finally sorted it out. And I thought, okay, thank thank goodness they, they didn't need any help on that because we, we knew who was driving. So I was like, okay, you know. Um, but uh, but Billy, Billy had died that Christmas day. And um, I wish I had just kind of gotten them to pull over just for a, a chat or something, maybe to rethink continuing to grow because they were they were polluted they were they were they were having a great old time but they were drunk as hell well it's um i guess it's not surprising in a way it's kind of the way uh, as i understand billy lived a lot of his life yeah but the guy that yeah. guy that survived was trying to say that that Billy was driving, and I was like, no, 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 I know Billy Martin, I'm a Yankee fan, I know Billy Martin, I know where he was in the car, and because he survived, but then he had to take responsibility, and he was trying, trying to avoid the responsibility, and that car was, that car was demolished, they went off the road on the 95, and even, like, you know, uh, my cousin Vinny and uh, my cousin Mario, they, they're not particularly baseball fans, but they knew who Billy Martin was, and um, and it we just came to a, a a dead halt when we walked in. We were like, "Hey, we made it, Christmas!" And the whole family was frozen in front of the TV. And my aunt Fran said, "Billy Martin died." And Mario said, "We just saw him. He was on the he was on the ninety five. And he said he died. He got into a car accident. He died. And I was like, "Wow! Oh my gosh!" But um, but talking about. Billy Martin, the league I the league I play in, once in a while I get a bad strike call when I'm batting, and it's become a running joke where I'll kick some dirt on their shoes, yeah. <laughs> the umpire's shoes. <laughs> you know, I'll just turn around and and um, especially Dave, Dave, Dave's known me for many many years, and uh, he doesn't understand why I'm still playing. But um, but Dave's like my age, but he he went to retirement like. Um, Probably 25 years ago, he's been he's been umpiring, but um, he made a bad call in the final game and of last season, and I just turned around and kicked some dirt all over his shoes. He didn't as much as move his feet. He just he just let the dirt go. <laughs> like he like he gets the gag now. I mean, I got ejected once for it, but now he gets the joke. <laughs> so, well, are you still throwing in the in the 80s? I'm not throwing in the 80s. I don't mean, I'm, I don't I'm, mean, I don't I'm mean temperature. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be in the 80s this weekend. No, I'm probably I'm probably 78, 79. I'm probably um, yeah, I'm 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 hanging around the 70s. Um, I got clocked um, last winter. I got clocked in an indoor place, but it wasn't a real mound. It was a synthetic mound, and I said it doesn't have the you don't have the same push off. On that mound, it right. kind of holds you back a little bit. It was it was the artificial turf and that kind of thing. And I got clocked at uh, I think seventy four, seventy five, and I said, "Yeah, I can't really get my momentum forward on this. It doesn't. It holds me back because even when I put my foot down, it brings. It, you don't get to slide a little on the dirt, and you know you don't get to move with the pitch. You know what I mean? Sure. So, uh, so if you're, it, if you're still throwing that hard and you have great control, you must be fun to face. Game will be quicker. You yeah, I'm all around the plate. I'm uh, yeah. Out. I'm all around the plate. I'm I'm you know I've got defense. I'm not afraid if they hit it. I mean you know I um you know my my career strikeouts. I got thirty one hundred twenty five career strikeouts. 
I'm I'm expecting to get to 3,500 before I'm all done. Gee, that's pretty good. <laughs> How many years have you been pitching, Jack? Um, let's see now. I've been pitching competitively. I've been pitching 45 years. Oh my goodness! Yeah, 45 Gee. years. When I when I played in Toronto, um, you know they. They weren't ready for a New Yorker, and I had attitude and everything. I had, I had total total <laughs> swag about me. Like those those first generation Europeans up there didn't know what happened. But I mean, I I was arguing with I was going old Billy Martin on people. Like I had no problem getting in people's faces. If a guy was you know if they had a big lead and he swung three and oh oh yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm coming inside on you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a big lead and you don't show respect. You know, you better you better not dig in too tight. That's all I got to say. But oh, how how quickly the game has changed. Can you? I see some of the stuff that goes on now, and I realize I'm old and and uh, an old schooled. But I, I see somebody hit a ball and 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 flip the bat at the plate and and take their time. And oh my goodness, I'd have teammates who would pitchers who would tear up if they saw something like that because they couldn't wait to get the ball to drill somebody the next time they came up yeah absolutely we we have a we have a signal we have a signal for a guy who's hot dogging like that if he gets he hits one to the alley yeah good for you you got a double congratulations you got a double on a really good pitcher but don't stroll in there get in there like you earned it you know you remember that you remember that scene in bull durham when uh yeah, Costner tells Costner, he yeah. tells he tells yeah. him what pitch is coming. Uh, in fact, that 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 um, oh golly, uh, what is his name? Phil. Can't think of Phil's last name, but he worked for MLB. He's a broadcast. In fact, I think he worked out in San Diego. Phil Nevin. Uh, what's yeah, no, 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 not not the not the player, not not the real baseball player, but uh, it was a broadcaster. Oh, no, it's, his name's not Phil. It's Paul. And I can't used to he used to work at MLB. Uh, but he was the real actor that that Costner yelled at for not running after he. Uh, yeah, hit I give you a gift yeah. and you stand there and look at it. Get out of here! Yeah, that was, yeah. What is Paul's? I can't. Oh my goodness! His first name's Paul, and, I, and I'm drawing a blank on his last name. But he worked at he's he's a broadcaster by trade, and he, I want to say he worked out in San Diego. Uh, but, he, but we were working together at MLB.com uh, during that time, so it was kind of fun to. to I have somebody around that was a part of that kind of history. You know what? I'm actually um, trying to look at the cast here, and you said his name is Paul. Yeah, it was a minor character, not. right? Hang on a sec. We're gonna. Yeah. We, you know, this is the great thing about about computers, right? Um, let's see here. Um, and you say his name was Paul. You're sure about that, right? I'm. Yes, I'm sure it was. It's Paul. And uh, okay, I'm going to look. Paul Devlin. Uh, we know how. To Paul Paul that. Devlin. Yes, yes, Paul Devlin. Right? <laughs> See how fast those things get. Uh, how long did it take me? Ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's him. Paul Devlin. Yeah, Paul Devlin. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. At my at, at, theater, and he played ball at the University of North Carolina. That's who. That's who that was. That was standing there, that's marveling. That yeah, that's who that is. Right that was, now, yeah, the, the at Costner's character at, yelled at. at my wedding, my best man, who's my catcher actually, and my best friend, um, he told a story at the you know at the reception. He you know how they have to give a toast, 
And he talked about the fact that when he first got on the team, I just hated him because he replaced my longtime catcher who really kept an eye on me. And um, he comes along and he's his hot shot. And frankly, we look a lot alike. People think we're related. And um, I just, I was trying to do everything I could to get him knocked off the team and get my catcher back. And he was just so damn good. I couldn't, I mean, I was throwing balls in the dirt. He blocked everything. And it, it, finally, finally, we, we, you know, came to the conclusion that management's not going to switch him out. You know, the other guy's now the backup. That's just life moving on, right? And um, we were in a game where we're up to zip and we're in the seventh inning. We're cruising along. I, I mean, I think I gave up one hit and, um, I shook him off. I never, I've never shaken him off. I shook him off, and he says he's asking for a fastball. He says just throw it by him. This guy can't handle your fastball. Throw it by him, and I'm shaking him off because I wanted to. I wanted to be that pitcher that can throw a curveball past this guy. And finally, he got up, acted like he was adjusting his mask, just like in the movie, and he said he wants to throw you a curveball. And the guy said, "Really?" So at at my reception. Paul says, Jack threw him that curveball, and that was 15 years ago. And I think the ball was landing. <laughs> I think it was landing while we were on our way to the reception today. <laughs> he said, he said it didn't just go over the fence. It went over the fence, across the street from the from the college where we were playing, and it landed up the hill in somebody's deck. Like it, it was. Uh, he hit the thing like 400 and something feet away from where he swung. And and he trotted really slowly around the bags like it took him forever to get. And Paul said, "Okay, I'm going to give you the signal next time he comes up. I want you to hit him right between the two and the three, right in his back." And he said, "He said he has no right to, to jog. I told him you you were throwing a curveball." <laughs> and he said, "Don't ever shake me off again." <laughs> well, did you get him? Um, yeah, I, I, I right between the shoulder blades. I got great control. <laughs> I got great control. I mean, I, did, he, did he understand why? <laughs> you know what? I got um, he kind of stared me down all the way to first, and I just stared right back at him. Like, I, I mean, I thought, you know, if he's going to run at me, I'm just going to drop the glove because, you know, I'm a former Olympic boxer. I'm just going to drop him. But he didn't come at me. He just kind of gave me the glare, and uh, that turned out to be the end of it. And years later, he, um, he told me it took like two weeks for that bruise on his spine to clear up. He said it was real purple for a long time. <laughs> but that's well, the fun of baseball. No, we've got to know who the fighters are, though, before the before the brawl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I found that there was somebody. The Pirates had a guy who who could really fight, and the Giants had a guy who could really fight. And I thought, okay, uh, when the bench is clear, I don't want to match up. I start picking up. <laughs> I can match up with a new I can't. All right, all right. Hey, let me let me ask uh, you something. Did you see that benches clearing brawl with Anaheim? And I think yeah, it was I yeah. think it was the White Sox. Uh, I want to say it was the Mariners, but well, okay, uh, yeah, I, I, whatever. I mean, eighteen minutes yeah, of actual. Because I was thinking it was the Mariners. Because I was thinking you, you can't put these people in situations where you're playing each other eight times in eleven days. It's it just. You're just asking for competitive people to have some kind of conflict. And you're going to have conflict anyway, because very seldom does one person 
play up to someone else's margin or 50% of someone else's margin. So you're going to have conflict because just the nature of the business. But um, you're really enhancing that potential for conflict when you have them play so many times in, in such a short amount of time. Well, I mean, that, that batter, Winker, when he got hit, I mean, he got hit exactly on the side of the glute, right on his right on his ass. And well, before that though, he got flipped. He got flipped. Right. I think it all started when he got flipped. Um, left-hander flipped him, and then then they threw at Trout. I think they threw at, at Trout's head, somewhere around Trout's face. No, they tr- then, no, that was at his head. I mean, it it really almost hit him. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they seemed like they were they were playing for keeps. Yeah, and, but I mean, eighteen uh, minute eighteen minute nonstop haymakers. I I I just I, and I think both managers got thrown right. Eight eight guys got thrown out. Eight guys in that fight got thrown out of the game, um, and there was four on each team. But these guys were throwing haymakers for like at least fifteen of those eighteen minutes. And the the, yeah. bull, the bullpen came in at full speed. I mean, I I I, I was sitting there saying, like it's Usain Bolt type speed. They came in full speed. <laughs> I mean, they 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 came in like like it's on. They didn't come in like let's you know come on let's shake it off, guys. It wasn't that at all. No, no. I, I think at one point, and maybe it'll be in some kind of comedy where the bench is clear. And the bullpen's clear. Instead of the bullpen's coming all the way to the to the middle of the diamond to fight, they'll just start fighting. As they <laughs> Where were you when they were filming the Naked Gun? That would have been funny. <laughs> that would have been funny, you know. I mean, that that's that's actually hilarious. <laughs> all right, let's let's you and I let's take a look at at uh, at baseball together. Okay, let's um, obviously the AL East, Yankees. Yankees are up by about a hundred thousand games. You know, I mean, they got a seven sixteen winning percentage. They're up by thirteen over Boston, and and Boston's been on a tear. But you know, it, it, the the AL, the AL East. I mean, the Yankees are leaving them in the rearview mirror. You know, I mean, you, well, are you already previewing the Yankees and the Astros? Um, I'm I'm just right I don't now. Think there's many more more games. Yeah, the Astros. The Astros could be a real thorn. Um, yep. You know they got the, they got that great pitching. I oddly enough they won the World Series with their superior hitting and fielding, and I'm not very impressed with their fielding this year. But I'm really impressed with their pitching. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just nodding up here. You can't see me, but I'm I'm nodding affirmatively. Yeah, that, that that works great on on an audio you, medium. You know, <laughs> if, you, if you work if you work radio. <laughs> <laughs> just not. <laughs> you Hang on, I'm going to do sign language. <laughs> you're, the, you're the one that went. You said fifty and fifteen. You, you said you said only forty. I thought you said more than. No, no. I said I said they'll win forty. I got to give you your props on that one. Yeah, you called that one. Yeah, I said they'll win forty. And then you texted me and said, "I can't believe it. Forty and fifteen. They won forty of their first fifty-five games." Yeah, that was incredible. Incredible. But now, you know, they're Still 58 is. and 23. And frankly, even the worst teams in baseball are probably going to win about 60 or 65 games, right? The Yankees have almost won 60 so far. We're not even at the All Star break. 
Yeah, I figure that you're you're going to win fifty five and lose fifty five, and it's what you do with the other fifty two. I call it a pack of cards. What you do with the the other fifty two that will determine who's going to win. Now, what do you, what do you think? What do you think the keys? I obviously Aaron Judge. I mean, he's he's about to get three hundred million dollars for a contract. I was wondering, though, I was wondering, Jack, are they going to have to pay whoever pays Judge? Are they going to pay him in gold? Silver or, <laughs> or, or, or crypto. <laughs> I I think if but, I'm if I'm the dollar's not going to be worth enough to get paid. <laughs> I think if I'm Aaron Judge, um, you remember that uh, who was that who was uh, the guy from the Mets that took his money over like a 25 year span? Um, Bobby Bonilla. Bonilla, yeah, and he's still getting his he's still getting paid. Like, I mean, he's still living large. He's still living on twenty thousand dollars a week. You know, <laughs> I mean, he made the best deal, like maybe ever. The Mets made a deal with him. He's going to be getting his money. I think it's through was it twenty thirty two. Yeah, yeah, it started in two thousand eleven. I think. But at the time, I, I think the Mets probably felt that they were getting a good deal because they didn't have to come up front with the money, and <laughs> you, could, you, could defer, you could defer the money and and you get interest on the money. I I, I would imagine so. Well, Bobby, uh, Bobby has I, turned it into an annual thing. Where he's yeah, turned it into yeah. a celebration, <laughs> he turned it into a celebration each year when he gets that he gets that payment. You know, I mean, this is like such a sweet deal for him. It's ridiculous. Well, it, it's nice to know you've got a million coming, or a million two, or a million three, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I tell you, I never made. I think all my salaries combined didn't come to that. So. <laughs> you, you know what? That's really good. I just watched. Um, we have a, a channel on our cable, which is old Johnny Carson um, shows, you know, and they had Joe Garagiola on, and he brought with him his very first contract from 1946 with the Cardinals, and he got $640 a month. That was his pay. And his, and money would be deducted for each game he didn't play. Like if they didn't put him in the lineup, he didn't get paid. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that. Really? Yeah, he showed Johnny Carson the contract. He said it's pretty simple. It's pretty much just a page and a half. And he said I, I brought it with me. I, last time I was here, you asked to take a look at it because you didn't believe that I was getting six hundred forty dollars a month. And Johnny said, "Well, wait a second. That's nineteen forty six. I mean, that's you know, in today's money, it's got to be." Seven hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe Joe Garagiola said if if they didn't put me in the lineup, I didn't get paid for that day. If I didn't come in to pinch hit or or get behind the plate, I didn't get paid. I only got paid for the games I played. So the most I could make was six hundred and forty bucks a month. Huh. Yeah, I mean you talk about rigged contracts back then, huh? Well, I remember Joe used to carry around a picture of himself with hair. With hair, <laughs> yeah. With hair. <laughs> uh, we, we used to, I'd ask for it every time I'd see him. He was coming around to do a game of the week or something like that. And my my was, favorite thing with, with Joe was when Joe was doing a pregame um you know, kind of a pregame broadcast explaining what was about to happen as the Cardinals were taking the field. And Ozzie Smith came running up behind him 
and jumped clear over. And Joe's not a small guy. Over right over his head. He spread his legs around his shoulders, and his his crotch cleared Joe's bald head. Wow. Yeah. Joe know that was coming. Joe didn't know it was coming, and when it happened, oh it happened so quickly that all he felt was the slight touch on his shoulders as Ozzy got that extra elevation. But he cleared it. He, it wasn't even close. He cleared him. I mean, I don't know how much pressure he put on his shoulders to to catapult him further, but just to have the guts. I mean, was Joe Garagiola what six two, six three? No, he wasn't. A, no, he wasn't that tall, but still, I mean, that's. Figure he's he was a good yeah six six one maybe yeah ah huh, that's 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 scary that's scary to have that kind of talent <laughs> to do that. well you know I, out of nowhere you know you're right I just pulled it up Joe Garagiola when he came on the Tonight Show I thought boy he's a pretty tall guy exactly six foot I just I just pulled oh, okay. it up yeah. yeah yeah exactly six foot but um, but yeah he played yeah nineteen forty six. And he began broadcasting games in 1961, like when I was born. Wow. Yeah, Joe was around a long time. Wow. Joe was, was a good player. In fact, I'd ask Joe every once in a while and remind him that I think he was something like a lifetime 257 hitter or something like that. And I said, you were good. And, but he always downplayed his, his talent. Not as bad as Bob Euchre does, but Joe would... would uh, talk about <laughs> funny things about his career but he actually had a pretty good career he he played well he, he swung the bat well and uh, but he, he said something along the lines that everybody's got great stories about themselves but uh, he, he liked to find the humor in whatever he was doing and and what he did and uh geez he, he did it so well did you know and did you know joe on. joe just passed away a few years ago yeah, I didn't. I I didn't. I didn't know if he if he had passed away. Or I I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he, yeah. wow. So he he actually spent a lot of time in the Cardinals organization. Yeah, towards the end of his career, he he really was behind the the sort of prohibition of smokeless tobacco. He he really. Yeah, he was a he was a outspoken. Yeah, he was yeah. A, a opposition of that big time. Yeah. yeah so. But he played for the Pirates, Cubs. Now you played for the Braves. You didn't just play for the Yankees, although that's that's the only thing I'm going to remember. But I know you played for the Braves, yeah, I, right? Most of most of my career is with the Texas Rangers. With the uh, Rangers, like was that when? Uh, was, drafted twice by the was that when Bush no, owned Nolan it? Nolan wasn't there when I was there. Um, Nolan was in Houston when I was in in Arlington. Was, was I only you? faced Nolan when he was his last year with the Angels was my first full season in the big leagues, and that's the only time I faced him. And then he went to the Astros as a free agent for the 1980 season. And I don't, I don't recall anybody throwing harder than he did in the majors. Yeah, he's my hero, for sure. He's, he, you know, I mean, my my favorite story, because I met, I met Nolan um, when he was playing for the Astros. I met him um, when a friend of mine was playing for the Padres, and I used to get to park in the player parking lot. And I think part of the reason was because I looked like Randy Reddy, and Randy Reddy oh, and I, Randy Reddy. Randy Reddy and I what looked. A good solid player he was. Yeah, yeah. good shortstop. But I, I got a chance to talk with him, and um, um, it, it's. Do you remember when? Um, uh, who was it from the Mets that stormed the mound and went after Nolan? Um, Robin Ventura. 
Um, uh, he was with the Rangers at that time. Yeah, and um, Robin Ventura. I mean, went, yeah, Robin. I'm sorry, Robin was with the White Sox at that time. And he stormed. He stormed the mound to go after Nolan. And I mean, this iconic Hall of Fame, just bigger than life guy. And he goes after him because he didn't like the way he pitched at him. And Nolan quickly put him in a headlock and punched him in the head seven times. And yeah, Robin got a few punches in during that fight, but you never see any of that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it it ruins a good story. So you never see see Robin getting any punches in there. But yeah, initially you just. I would imagine as Robin was running to the mound, uh, the, the, the closer he got, the bigger Nolan was. For yeah, and, but, but Robin, Robin's story was when they asked him, they asked Robin if he was going to file any sort of a uh, complaint or arbitration against Nolan for punching his head in like that. Robin said, are you kidding? I'm the only guy to get seven hits off Nolan in one game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uh, I bet you even know what college Robin went to. No, you know Uh, what? I could probably pull it up, but I know. How would I know that? (laughs) Because you know everything about (laughs) baseball and its history and such. Uh, Don't look it up. You're going to tell me? Yeah, I told you. I missed it. Well, you're going to look it up. It wasn't like you were going to try to figure it out. He went to Oklahoma State. You're exactly right. And by the way, I, I looked it up on Wikipedia. What did you say Joe Garagiola's lifetime batting average was? <sighs> Shoot. I, I, mm, I said 257, but I could be a little short. Well, you read you it, it up to just kind of expand your chest and walk with your shoulders back? Oh my goodness! I was right. <laughs> Lifetime two fifties. Come on! I mean, Babe Ruth. Everybody knows it's three forty nine. But I mean, how do you get that right on the oh, money? Three forty nine. Oh, three forty. Oh, I was off then. Babe Ruth. No, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth's. Everyone knows Babe Ruth's lifetime. But I mean, come on, Joe Garagiola. Who knows his lifetime batting average? I mean, you shot that right out. <laughs> was, I, was I? Yeah, you were on the money. Was I right? Yeah, you were right on the money. Middle of the bullseye. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> middle of the bullseye. All right, and he, he, yeah, Joe, Joe batted left, and he threw right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how about that? Uh, how about you? Look at you. See, and you think I know everything. Now let me ask. Let me ask you. Um, in the AL Central, right? What do you What do you think? I, I think even when Cleveland, the horrible, horribly named Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians look like they got within a game of Minnesota. I said on this show two weeks in a row that I thought Minnesota was just too talented. They're just going to run away with that. And um, they have put five games between them since then. I don't know, Jack. There's so much more time left. <laughs> well, we crossed the halfway point, but... Uh, I was watching Minnesota today, uh, uh, the Twins and the White Sox. They went back and forth and back and forth, and and the White Sox won on a walk off, uh, nine to eight. But there's that's the way Larusa likes to manage a team. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, your your Yankees, my Yankees, had ten. Before your Yankees, yeah, <laughs> Yankees had ten. Walk-off hits yes. before July 1st, 
And the all-time record is 12 by the 81 Dodgers. And the Yankees had had 10 walk-offs. And almost all of those were walk-off home runs. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of season left, but I think I think teams like the White Sox and Detroit are going to become sellers. I think they're going to I think they're going to turn around and do a little house cleaning and save some money. All um, right, but if you're if you're the if you're Detroit, what are you selling? Exactly. Well, well, you know that you know that kid they, they there's nobody. You know that kid they just so brought can, up. He seems to have been a good luck charm for the for Detroit. Um, first at bat. In the majors, he gets a hit, and Detroit has a comeback win in their final at bat, and they start crediting him as the good luck charm for the team. But um, I forget his name, but he's 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 really talented, and I'm thinking, boy, if this kid hits his stride, he's he's really something. Yeah, if you're gonna test my my name of players nowadays, then I'm I'm in trouble. Uh, no, I'm not gonna do that. Although although I, I am know. telling you. I am telling you to keep an eye on this guy the Guardians has uh, they have as a closer. He really should be playing for the Yankees. Class A, C-L-A-S-E. I've never seen pitching like that. I've never seen anybody do what he's Wait, doing. You want all the, your, your bullpen's been dominant, and yet you still want more? Yeah, he's good enough to play for the Yankees. He's that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when the Padres get a really good player. I'm like, he's good enough to play for the Yankees. They're the same way. They've got the best bullpen in the league. <laughs> <laughs> and you're telling me that if you bring this guy in. And they're still looking to get yours. <laughs> <laughs> We're not done ransacking the league. <laughs> Now the other th- the other the other team I was they're going to win a hundred and oh seventeen, but we want more. <laughs> yeah. We want to make sure we have a cushion for the playoffs. <laughs> we miss Mariano Rivera. Oh dear. Oh. All right, so you, you, you've gone central. Now let's go yeah. west. Okay, the so west. Houston seems to be running away with it. They're like they're like the Yankees in the west. I thought the Angels were going to win that division, and then they went on that twelve game losing streak, and they fired Madden. And uh, it just looked like, like you know, the walls were caving in. I I think the Angels are are as talented as anybody else in that division. But Houston, Houston's not missing a step. Houston's pitching. Houston's hitting. I'm not impressed with their fielding. But um, they're they're 13 and a half games up on on Seattle. I mean, Seattle's not going to make up 13 and a half games in a half a season. Well, it's going to be tough because Houston has been there. They've done this before. They've played well down the stretch. So um, you really got to play extremely well, extremely well to um, even come close. And the worst part about it is that you're not going to have any chance of, of having a team be a wild card. So right. the rest of, your, rest of your year is going to be rather anticlimactic. Well, I think with this much of a deficit, I think the last time... I saw any team make a late run was um, the Colorado Rockies in 07, where they won 22 out of 23 down the stretch. Oh, and then yeah. remember they forced they forced a game 163 against. Right. Yeah, remember that. I mean, they and I think they made it to the World Series that year. All of a yeah, sudden, that's, they that's they the got hot and they and that. they marched right through. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They did have a run that was. Incredible, and Oakland had a run like that one year too, where they were winning 
20 out of 21 or 22 out of 23 or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It's almost hard to imagine any team winning um, that many and, and down the stretch especially. Yeah. Well, my heart bleeds every time I watch Moneyball. Poor Billy Bean trying to win the last game of the season in Oakland. He had that chance to go to Boston and he, and he turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's all the elements of a horse race, but, but you look at that and you say, okay, you know what, you know, he made a calculator, he wanted to, he wanted to do this on his own yeah. in Oakland with a small budget, and, um, yeah. and he hasn't been able to do it, but, but Oakland's been competitive, they just aren't getting guys that are willing to go there, because it's Oakland. Well, and, and now with the new ownership, they let everybody go that could make any kind of money, so they're 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 playing hard. Yeah, uh, they've had a lot of losses, but they uh, they played well against the Blue Jays uh, in this series, and um, and they they seem to stay in the game even though they've lost a lot of those games. But unfortunately for them, a lot of the players. Un- unfortunately for Oakland, they have as many losses as the Yankees have wins this year so far. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, when someone wins. Someone loses. Right. It's a zero. It's the great thing about baseball. It's a zero game, right? There's no ties. It's uh, not like soccer. Now, what about the other New York team? The Mets. The Mets have gotten a challenge from the Braves. All of a sudden, the defending champions. You know, it's like they woke up the giant, and they were, the the Braves are within two and a half of the Mets, and it looked like the Mets were going to march right through this season. Well, they've done a lot, especially when your numbers one and two starters haven't been there. Um, so we'll see. Scherzer pitching. I think he'll pitch. Oh, he pitched uh, last night. Yeah, he just pitched and um, and pitched well. And the Grom will come soon. So if you if you get those two throwing well, then then maybe you can um, again establish a little distance between you and the Braves. But again, the Braves are the World Series champions. And they, and they put 14 in a row together, which is you know about 10 percent of your season. They 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 ended up winning 14 in a row, and um, and then all of a sudden they started playing regular baseball again. But they're within two and a half of the Mets. Mets are 20 games over 500, so I mean they're looking good, but they're they're not quite secure. I think I think if the Mets get into a double digit lead sometime in August over the Braves, I think then that that division's done. Well, I'm I'm listening to you because you break this stuff down. I, I just watch the game and just sort of enjoy. Oh, I know. I I dissect it. I know. I know. Yeah, now, the other the other we'll team we'll the other team I'm uh, really impressed but, with. But it, the the Mets have done really well when you consider that you've lost your number one and two starter for a half a half a season. So and, yeah, and, and the, having Buck, and having Buck there, I think really not that the other managers before him uh, did anything wrong, but having uh, somebody with. The pedigree that Buck Showalter has, I, I, I think, helps. Plus, so plus, Buck Showalter had to have been grinding his teeth watching Joe Torre enjoy all those championships on a on a system that Buck put together, and then they brought in Joe, and Joe came in, <laughs> Joe came in and just like enjoyed the fruits of Buck's labor. <laughs> I think Buck yeah, still needs Buck. to prove something in New York. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. I yeah, because remember Buck Showalter had the Yankees, and they get rid of Joe. Oh, they, Buck, too. Yeah, yeah they get rid of Buck. Too. They bring um, in Joe. Actually, he was a manager before they even had a, had a franchise um, in Arizona. So, 
Um, he's he's certainly one of the tops. Right. Uh, he, he he breaks down the game as well. And think about Probably it. Probably as well, and being a disciple of your boy, Billy Martin. And they get they get rid of Buck in Arizona, and Arizona wins the World Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Buck has got to be wondering, like, what he did wrong in his life. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to figure out a way to win his own. Now, the other, the other team I've been keeping my eye on, and I like a lot, I was not expecting, the NL Central was Milwaukee, um... Yellish, I like I like that whole team. I like the way Milwaukee's playing. I didn't expect the Cardinals to hit the hit the gas pedal like they did. Now Cardinals are within two and a half, and just like the um, NL East, the NL Central has got themselves a horse race between Milwaukee and St. Louis. Nobody is thinking the Cubs are going to get themselves together. They don't have the talent. They don't have the pitching. They don't have the hitting. They just don't have it. I think one of the things that is a little different this year in, in the Central is that the Pirates are playing so well. So not that they're going to contend, but they're going to take away some victories that normally the front runners in the in the Central might have. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I like Pittsburgh. I would love to see Pittsburgh do well. I would love to watch a small market like Pittsburgh turn around and just kind of knock down the giant. I would like to see a team like Pittsburgh in the Central turn around and, and, and just kind of take the Cubs and the Cardinals out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I enjoy uh, the underdog and, and the young underdog, too, and they've got some really exciting young players, and and uh, not, not not even including the, the shortstop they just brought up, six foot seven shortstop that they brought up. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna have them play. O'Neal. <laughs> they'll have them play long short, and, long stop. And, and, <laughs> So they, uh, they they played well. In fact, you might have seen them last night uh, playing against your Yankees. Uh, <laughs> Bill, a, Bill Mazeroski throwing out the first pitch. It was amazing. He he uh, had the game winner, the series game winner in 1960. Right. And I guess he was only about 23 years old when he did that. So yeah. I mean, he was a an established big leaguer. Um, by the time he was 23, <laughs> some of us were just getting to the big leagues at 23. And you know, as 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 far back in history as that game is, when you watch the the De Niro movie with Chaz Palminteri, uh, Bronx Tale, uh-huh. they that movie was made in the 90s, and they still talk about Mazeroski in that film. When De Niro's talking to his son about baseball, and he goes, "I hate Bill Mazeroski." <laughs> Because it's a period piece. They couldn't leave that out, that he got that game-winning hit in 60. Yeah, yeah. And, and the series was so one-sided in runs scored, but not in victories. Right. Because and they and dominated every win. Uh, their three wins, they dominated. Blew them out. Right. The, the Pirates won all the close games. Right. And if you look at, um, you look at the 2001 World Series between the Yankees and the uh, Diamondbacks, um, Diamondbacks outscored the Yankees 35-14. to 14. Yet, the Yankees are, are in Game 7 and basically an out away from winning the World Series. And they've been outscored like crazy by the Diamondbacks. Oh, they got whipped the night before. Uh, yeah. I it was the, the Diamondbacks scored about 14 runs or something tonight in Game 6. Yeah. yeah, but you can't give up 35 runs in a seven-game series and then and still find yourself in a game seven. The Yankees are in game seven. They're in the ninth inning of game seven. I mean, 
I mean, Gonzalez with that little flare over over Jeter's head. I mean, that wasn't even a big hit though. That no. was a big hit. Tony Womax double down the right field line. That was the hit. hit. And that's that's forgotten when people look back at it. Right, because they remember Gonzo with the gum and and yeah, right, yeah. exactly right. Now, my favorite division this year has been the National League West. This this thing between the Dodgers and San Diego, again, small market San Diego, are playing, I, I don't know if they're playing over their head. They seem like they've got the talent, but um, uh, Bob Melvin, you know, three-time manager of the year, has taken over this team, and they have bought in. I mean, you watch them before the game. They have that look in their eyes like the um, like the 86 or the 85 Bears, you know? Like, they, they just have this look like we're going to win. And they've had a lot of injuries as well. Well, a lot of teams have had injuries. But uh, with the makeup of the club, to have the injuries that you've had and still play as well as you have, it's, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being in, living in San Diego. Frankly, everybody's in a real good mood, as you know, as watching their their high priced talent really perform. Whereas San Diego's had a reputation of paying a lot of money for nothing, and now you know they're about to get Tatis back, and I think they get Tatis back. He may be at least in the conversation for the best player in baseball. But he does something stupid like he did and breaks his wrist. Now he's got a pin in there. Nobody's sure about what they're getting back, but it reminds me of, um, you remember Ron Gant in 92 when he went out um, dirt biking and he broke his femur? And he had a $40 million oh, contract. That's right. Uh, remember that? I forgot it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Ron Gant could bench four hundred pounds and he broke his femur. He came up. Yeah. yeah. And his career was and he had a forty million dollar contract. All he had to do was stay off dirt bikes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the key, stay off dirt bikes. But it, the Dodgers the Dodgers just had a four game series over Fourth of July weekend with the Padres, and the Dodgers took three out of four. Whereas if the Padres had taken three out of four there would have been a it would have been a photo finish. They would have been in a tie. So now the Dodgers have a five and a half game lead over the Padres, and San Francisco. I don't know what happened to them, but it looked like it was going to be a three way race, and now they're almost eleven games back. Yeah, but they were right around this record, the Giants, last year at this time, and they had a really good second half of the season, and they ended up winning the division, didn't they? Last year, the Giants. Giants did, yeah. Oh wait, no, 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 no. The, the Dodgers did. Dodgers won the division last year. They've won the division. I think. I think they've won the division like eight, eight years out of nine or something ridiculous like that. And they played each other in the playoffs. I'm, I'm getting old, Jack. I can't. No, remember. stop it. They played. They played each other in the in the playoffs last year. Yeah, they. Yeah, the Dodgers. I think eliminated them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but um, so now. Before we before we hang up, you're going to give some thought to coming with us on that Yankee thing. We'll put a ticket aside for you. Sit with a bunch of Yankee fans. We'll have a good time. We'll carry you in. We'll carry you out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see see what your tickets look like. I, I have a I have an MLB pass. I can get one guest in and me. And yeah, for the I, most part, the tickets are pretty good. Yeah, I, well, we get we get um, seats directly facing the Diamond Vision. So you're up there. You're up there near the Rally Monkey, right? On the um, we're there. on the first base, um, first base side, second um, second level, 
like foul ball territory, but we take a whole section. <laughs> like, like everybody bring the wives, man. We're playing baseball. Oh, I used to hate that. So annoying. When when you get a big team, usually with the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Orioles, or one of the big East Coast teams, and they would come to Texas and and they would have more people in the stands than we would have. And I went, oh, so you folks only come out when these teams come out, and you hear a cheer, and it's for the other team. But I understand. Yeah, well, I mean, the Padres... The Padres my, not a lot of money, but it put money in my, my, my salary. Okay. The Padres were, were known for, if the Cubs came into town, there were many more Cubs fans than Padres fans. The Mets came into town, same uh, thing. Same thing. It was, but now, this year... The way the Padres are playing, it's a sea of Padres fans. I mean, Padres fans are rearranging their schedules to make sure they get to the game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they're, they're supporting this so team. Cubs come into town, it's, it's, it's a Padres home, home game. Padres yes. Fans. No, no, when the Cubs come into town, Padres, um, the, the Padres are probably 65% of the stadium. I mean, there's a lot of Cubs fans. People love the Cubs. I'm a Cubs fan. That's my National League team is the Cubs. But um, but it's probably two-thirds still Padres. Padres fans are, even on days the Padres aren't playing, people are walking around with their Padres shirts on. I mean, it's everywhere here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen this since, like, probably when they made that run in 98 and then back in the 80s when they were doing well. But, I mean, this year, people have their Padres stuff on all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how is the new show? Um, well, the show, we go back into production. It looks like we go back in um, October. Um, again, if you're out here, you come on set, no problem. We'll figure out something. We'll, we'll find something for you to do. We'll get you doing something where you're sitting down. But, um, but yeah, you'd, you'd be more than welcome. I'll, I'll talk to my producer. We'll put you on. We'll get you having some fun on set. But um, promise yeah, land. Re up my sag card. <laughs> re up. Re -up. Yeah, re -up you, my sag. you can come in as non-union. It'll be okay. Get me out of the union because I wasn't making enough money. <laughs> no, you, you got to keep working. That's the one thing. It's uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. They kicked me out because I wasn't making enough money. I, uh, well, as long as you make your, as long as you make your your payments to keep your. You know, no, keep I'd your, make my payments. I'd make my payments, whatever they were, and then all of a sudden. Uh, it seemed like I, I was persona non grata because I wasn't wasn't making enough money. My payments weren't high enough. So I'm envying you people that have your own well, your own sack. I, I I did work I did work on the nanny with Fran Drescher, and she's now the president of the Screen Actors Guild. So we can make a quick Who's stop. That? Fran Drescher. Oh, is she? She's the president of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh dear. Yeah. So I I did. Does she, I did. does she sound like that in person? It's not as exaggerated, but yes, that's pretty much her sound. You know, I mean, yeah. it's funny because a lot of people remember her from The Nanny, but um, most people don't remember her from Saturday Night Fever. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was, Con she was Connie yeah. who tried to dance yeah. with John Travolta, and he said, I, he said oh, you, this sucks, forget about it. He, and he pushed her off to the side, and then he does his big single dance thing where he clears the dance floor and he does that dance number oh that's right that's Fran Drescher that's Fran Drescher on the on the album cover that's Fran Drescher on the actual um, Saturday Night Fever album cover I was at a, a charity event with Slim Pickens oh and 
and we were, we were flying from what it was a telethon out in West Texas, West Texas Rehabilitation Center, and it was a fundraiser. And he and I were among a couple other people that we went from one one city to another in an eight seater. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to hear him talk, but I didn't want to be a nuisance about it. So, I, so I, I would say something and wait a while and then say something else. Just and he sounded just like I, I heard him sound when I watched him in movies, and I, I, I got a kick out of that. But, um, but I, I, I was call from Mike Five Star Limit Driver with him because I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want him to know that. I just wanted to hear him talk. <laughs> well i mean there's a lot of people i mean i've met a lot of people at award shows and stuff and and i'm kind of curious to see you know what they are like when the cameras aren't on but um but fran exaggerated it on the nanny but um but she's she's been she's done a whole bunch of other stuff um before you know landing the nanny and um and she's actually she's actually very very nice i mean um she's 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 wonderful i mean there's no getting around that she's just wonderful um but she's the president of the screen actors guild and um i should i should we took a she and i took a picture on the set of the nanny i should um i should send that to you i think you'd get a kick out of it i'll get you after melissa gilbert yes she just she just got the president spot just recently she just actually made at the academy awards she got up and gave a little speech oh okay yeah so she just got the job i always thought she was a little easy on the eyes you know what it's funny in person she's stunning i mean she's really stunning she's really beautiful yeah easy on the eyes is putting it mildly she's she's an actual knockout Oh, okay. Yeah, and she still keeps herself in in great shape. I mean, she's still very attractive, and she's and she's running the entire union, two hundred fifty thousand members. You know, not including okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Billy, you give you give some thought to uh, the end of August joining us for the Yankees thing. We'll make sure we got a ticket for you. You sit with a bunch of Yankee fans. Everybody will adore you. And um, also think about coming out here. Just coming out, stay stay at our place. All right. Well, I'll try to coordinate with uh, with Ian, my son, and and uh, and you, and see what yeah. we can. Yeah, and do. I'll let you know. I'll let you know when we go back in production on the show. And um, yeah, if you're out here during that, I think I think you'd probably find that to be fun because because I mean I have a great deal of freedom on the set. I mean nobody's going to tell me to you know, stop talking, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what? I'm producing a baseball show too, a movie. What what is that? Let's, we'll talk about that. It it's uh, <laughs> it's a period piece, 1930s, 39. And it involves Lou Gehrig, um, uh, a kid. Oh, how does this work? Um, segregated community, um, black kid. Uh, listen to the radio, likes Lou Gehrig. Uh, he's befriended by a white kid in town through t- racial tensions, and and it goes off from there somewhere. And I'm I'm signed on to be a producer. What, what what part what part do I play? I haven't uh, I haven't gotten the script. Whatever, I don't know. Whatever you want to, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it being shot? Is it being shot on the East Coast? Uh, 
No, it's going to be shot in Georgia. Okay. You, you understand Georgia's oh, on the East Coast. I'm yeah. Yeah. Don't get old. No, Billy. Billy. I, I, Billy, I, Billy, I, I was. Said, I, I heard East, and I thought West. <laughs> I was about to give you a geography lesson. <laughs> I was going to try to explain where Georgia is, actually. Uh, <laughs> and I was going to tell you that. Here's a trivia question for you. The, the highest in elevation state capital east of the Mississippi. Now, Denver would be the highest west. West, of, of course, yeah, area. of course. Um, and, and let's see. I just gave it, gave it away. Well, it would, probably, it would probably be... Um, would it be... Would Atlanta. It be Atlanta? I just gave it away. Yeah, yeah okay. Because I was trying to think... I was trying to think... Um, I know the Carolinas are pretty flat and Florida's flat, and I was trying to think... In the up up along the Appalachian Trail, and I was saying, okay, it's not Albany; it's got to be down in Georgia. It's got to be Atlanta. Oh, good. Well, that's good then. Well, you you understood the question then because you said Albany. Oh you, yeah, I'm, going I, I'm an upcoming contestant on The Weakest yeah, Link. You're, you know, you, you know that you, you know that TV show. You're better than me. You know that you know that TV show, The Weakest Link. Yes. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually um, submitted to be a contestant on that show. It's still around that show. You know, Jane Lynch is the host, oh, and okay. it's it's very entertaining. It's oh, very entertaining, okay. and I I record it. And my thing is that I'm trying to do the answers before they say the answer. Okay, you now know? they started. I've seen Jane Lynch do that, but I want to say that was about five or six years ago. Um, around that one? It was it was a couple of years ago, and then they oh, okay. they brought it back as a summer replacement last year, and it was a big hit. So now it's it's back every week. It's on uh, I think it's on NBC, but I I just have the DVR find it, and um, each week I I watch the show. It's a it's an hour show, forty one minutes once you go through the commercials, but um, she's very very funny on it. And um, uh, and my thing is, I loved her in uh, Two and a Half Men. Just, two and a Half Men. I loved her. I loved her in Role Models, with um, with uh, Paul Rudd, and um, yeah, um, and the guy from uh, American Pie. Um, but she was she was fantastic in role in the movie Role Models, and I just I just like her in everything. You know, um, she's in. Uh, the second season of Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. I, you know everything. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm up to speed. As a matter of fact, tonight Karen and I uh, we have to go to um, screening of a film by um, one of the one of the two directors that are on my TV show. And um, frankly, it would be rude not to show. But but Fred's very talented, and I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be a good time. But we we're supposed to be there by seven. Um, tonight, and um, and then he's going to ask us in front of the cameras what our honest opinion is of it, and I'll, you know, I'll play the game, and then I'll call him up at home later and tell him what I really think. <laughs> it's, isn't that tough, though, when, when you, 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 you've been invited by a friend, and they want you to see their production, their project, and you watch it, and it's just not good. Yeah, we. Ka yeah, good. yeah. Karen and I but saw you, one. Karen and I saw one. You know they're going to come to you and ask you about it. Well, the funny thing is, um, we went to the screening of a of a film um, in which I had a part in the film, but I only shot my part. I didn't know what happened around me, 
And right. people were coming over me. They said, you were the best thing in there. You were the best thing in that film. And we both walked out, and my best friend and his wife, they were there, and we didn't know what we had just seen. And my best friend said, yeah, you were the best. That was the best performance in the film. But we didn't know what the movie was about. <laughs> And I said, I, I have no control of that. I mean, all I can do is take my scene, do what I can do with it. But I, I, we, we literally walked out kind of, kind of dizzy and stunned, like, like we didn't know. We didn't know what, what, what just happened, and people were, were of course, you know, kissing his butt. You know, oh my God, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen, and and uh, we were kind of like, oh boy, I mean, how, how do you spin that? So yeah, it's tough. How often, how often do you do you read the entire script? Always, <laughs> sometimes you read the whole screenplay. Hold on one sec. Karen just walked in. She she made a rare a, a rare a rare appearance at home. Hang on one sec. Karen, Karen, Billy. We're we're a long way from Nyack. Billy just asked me a question, and I'm going to have him ask you because I know you didn't hear it. She was in the other room on the phone. But um, first of all, say hello. hello, Billy. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm thinking we're a long ways from Nyack. Oh, my gosh, yes. Billy might be coming out here to stay, and he might go to the Yankee game with us. He's going to oh see. Oh my what God, that'd be great! Yeah, that's what I told him. I said these Yankee fans will fawn all over him, like they'll carry him in like he's Cleopatra. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> now, 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 we were just talking about that film that you and I that I that I was in that we went to see, and we didn't know what we just saw. Right. Okay. Um, right. So, so Billy asked me an interesting question because I said all I did was my my scenes, and that's all I can do with what I had to work with. So, Billy, ask that question again. I'll let Karen oh, answer. Oh, I ask. Yes. Uh, do you and <laughs> no? He and said. Uh, he said. How often? Yeah. Do you watch the? Do you? If you get a screen, if you get a script, how often do you watch or uh, read more than your lines? Do you? Do you read Me. the whole? He's asking how. He's asking how. Karen reads the whole script. I only read my parts. Yeah. So. I read every script that comes in from front to back, and I, I don't focus just on his, and then I'll say, oh, my God, you have to do this one. And he'll say, okay, and then he just No, no, sometimes I say, I turned it down, yeah. and she goes, no, 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 reconsider. You want to do this one. This is a good one. So you want so to do the, this there one. There is one that I, I kept insisting that he do. And that one went to Cannes can, can, can can, Film Festival, yeah. Cannes Film Festival, and he was like, fine, I'll do it. Well, I'm, I'm glad he did. Billy, <laughs> Billy I, had to, I had decided not to do that script because I had just played almost the same exact character in another film, and I didn't want to play the same character again. And Karen kept saying, no, this is really, really good. you got to read the whole thing. So I never read the whole thing, frankly. I actually didn't even know all the dialogue of every other character until we went to till we went to the screening and um and that's when i found out what the whole script was about but i mean i usually like if my stuff is highlighted i just read my stuff okay because that's i mean otherwise there's a lot of reading involved yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know well, unless you're the main character then you almost have to read the whole well, I'm the I'm the main character in Promised Land on Amazon Prime. I'm the main character, and I still 
unrepeated my scenes. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, I mean, I, I, you can ask Karen. I, I just don't read the whole thing. I just concentrate on what I have to do. Yeah, let's see, Jack. Very selfish, rude to the other actors. Doesn't know any of their lines. <laughs> And, and, only about his. and the funny thing is, if I'm, a, <laughs> if I'm on set and somebody else seems to be doing their lines and it just doesn't ring true, I'll go in and work with them to get their lines right, even though I don't know what their scene is. <laughs> oh, dear. You, you, you certainly sound as though you have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun, and I and I, I have a I have a real feel for when when a scene is is starting to take shape. I've gotten really really good at this, where I can I can feel the the pottery taking shape. You know what I mean? And um and I get it I I get it right. I mean, you know, I was on this um I was on this Disney project um last week. And yeah, people were like, "Oh my God, you're the best thing on that show!" And I'm thinking, "Oh, that's a good thing because I'm the lead character, <laughs> you know." <laughs> <laughs> you're carrying the show. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, get, I better be pretty good, otherwise, otherwise, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> so, so Billy, give me, give uh, me, get a hold of me. I, I wrote a script and, and uh, produced the movie, and I couldn't remember the lines on my own, <laughs> my own script. <laughs> Well, when I get, to, I just, I've just written a mini series um, that we're going to pitch to Netflix. It's a twelve-parter, and um, um, well, Karen's been pretty impressed with it, and um, some other people that we've let take a peek at it have been very impressed with it. But when I get it completely done, which should be shortly, I'll let you take a look at it. Um, you know, problem is it's like three hundred pages because it's twelve parts. Okay, all right. So. Okay. But you know, I, as long as I, I usually read my uh, my sons, but yeah, I've read some scripts. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, don't have a, a lot of time, but I I generally will read the whole movie or whatever project it is. I, I, I I'm not good enough just to read my own line. <laughs> well, I mean this 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 um this Luke <laughs> I'm not a veteran at it as you. I don't have as many. I, IMDb credit. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what this um, this Lou Gehrig thing you're doing in in uh, Georgia. I mean, if there's if there's room for for me to do something and 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 contribute, I would love to. I I will I will transfer that information to the the other producers. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be glad to. I mean, I I did a period piece. I did the Babe Ruth story, and that was a period piece, obviously. And, um, you know, I did that, like, probably 20 years ago. But, you know, I mean, even if you... Well, that was you, the guy that just, uh, guy just died recently. Um, uh, you're talking about Stephen Lang? No. Uh, Stephen Lang played, Stephen Lang played um, Babe Ruth. And I just got a hold of him. And I said, I don't know if you remember me from the Babe Ruth story, da-da-da. And he said, yeah, I remember you. Oh, yeah. I said, well, I just saw you in uh, a quiet place you know that um that um that film um it, it, it's about a rambo that's a blind guy living out in the middle of nowhere by himself and these kids decide to do a home invasion and they're outmanned even though he's blind and uh he's got them trapped in his house 
and he's trying to f- search for them, and they're trying to stay quiet as hell and try to escape. <laughs> yeah, it's, if you look up Stephen Lang, look up his credits. Um, we oh, just, no, 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 it, it wasn't. I know, I know who he is. No, I, Stephen. I Stephen's uh, uh, no, Stephen's a workout no, nut. He's, no, he's he played Babe Ruth in. Uh, oh, he's, he's been in some other movies too, um, but he, he, just, he just died. I thought maybe that. Oh, you're talking about uh, that played the whammer in the you know, the whammer oh, in the natural. Art. I want to say his first name was Art something. Wait, wait, are you talking about the guy who played the whammer in the natural? He played Babe Ruth in the natural. No, but this guy played Babe Ruth in in. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. I'll. I'll I'll have to text him when we get over there. No, it's okay. Hang on he a second. Died. He just died recently. And I thought that's who you were talking about because he played Babe in... Is the Babe Ruth story? No. Well, the Babe Ruth story was the one I did, and that's um, Stephen Lang. John Goodman played... It wasn't Stephen. It wasn't John Goodman okay, played no, the, the in The Babe. Um, no. Um, he played... He played him, too. Uh, he, he played yeah. Babe Ruth. Maybe it was... Oh wait a second! Wait a second! Wait a second! I did I did a commercial, I did a commercial with Art Lafleur, and he was in Field of Dreams. He just passed away. He played Babe Ruth. Yeah, actually, I have pictures with Art. Yeah, I have pictures with Art. Art was in Field of Dreams. Oh, okay, that's who played. Yeah, remember he remember he played the guy who wanted a cigarette. Uh. You know, I'm still getting over shoeless Joe Jackson being right-handed. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I had trouble with that too. I mean, and I think that was that was very important. But yeah, Art Lafleur, he was in the Sandlot and some other stuff. Right, the Sandlot. Right. Okay. But but he was he was very known for he was very known for um for the Field of Dreams uh, piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he just passed. Yeah, he was a good actor. That was a, that was a good actor, and he was he was young. He was only seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. So I'll send I'll send you you text me your email. I'll will send you um I'll send you some pictures. I got pictures with Art and Frank Drescher and pictures that we took on the set of the Babe of of the Babe Ruth story. You know, I'll send you some stuff. But if there's something if there's something you could um use me in on this Lou Gehrig thing, yeah. Definitely count me in. I'll go to the airport. Just fly me out. I'm there. I just, I well, I just told them that uh, I was going to be on your show, and how much could I talk about uh, the production? But I had asked. <laughs> they're bringing me in, so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes about that. So. Yeah, that's a good way to go. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. they they know. They know kind of of you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a good deal. Well, keep in mind, um, Monday the 29th is the Yankee game. Try to be out here. Go visit your son that time. You could stay here at the house. August, right? That's August, right? August, yes. Okay. Okay. And, right. um, yeah, you could stay here at the house. We got we got cars you could use. No problem, man. All right. Well, thank you. I'll probably stay with him and, and just uh, drive down. And uh, we'll meet, or we'll I'll meet. You're, you're, you're not, we'll you're, hang out. You're not one of those. You're, you're not one of those people who think Los Angeles and San Diego are next to each other, do you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you had trouble with Georgia on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, listen, I want to I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. I mean, this was a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. But when you come out here, yeah, we we're, we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, we'll have a real good time. All right, Jack. All right, Billy. And that is former center fielder of the New York Yankees, Billy Sample. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, my friend. All right? (laughs) Thank thank you, Jack. (laughs) All right. Take care, man. All right. All right, you too. Bye-bye. And that was Billy Sample. Of the New York Yankees. He played center field for the New York Yankees. He played for the Braves. He played for the Rangers. But more importantly, he played for the Yankees. And I don't want the show to go too long, although we're way over our normal run today, but it was fun. But here's the deal. Um, That is Season 4, Episode 25 of JV to the Pros. We want to thank our sponsors, Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, the employer lawyer, the man who protects those that do the employing. I want to thank Rob Van Dam and his very, very magical, very soothing, very relieving CBD oil. I want to thank the one that's playing injured this week, producer Karen, who spent some time in the hospital this week and is now out and back in the roster. So she will be taking care of all the post-production stuff. So we want to thank her, the queen of Queens, New York. And I'm Jack Vecchio, your host of JV to the Pros. You can reach us at jvtothepros at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Or go to our Facebook page, JV to the Pros on Facebook. We're on Spotify. We're on a bunch of other stuff. So we're going to wrap up this week's show of JV to the Pros. And we'll be back next week with another great episode of JV to the Pros. Yeah. And a very happy birthday once again to my favorite actor of all time, Sylvester Stallone, who turned 76 on July 6th. So keep turning them out, Sly. We love them. Take care, everyone.